Hello and welcome back to another episode of the ShuttlePod podcast. Today we have a special ShuttlePod supplemental episode for you. What you're about to hear is the audio of an interview conducted by TrekMovie.com editor Lori Ulster with Gates McFadden, who is of course known for playing Beverly Crusher on Star Trek The Next Generation. The interview was recorded on June 29th, and you can read the highlights of this interview um, on our website at TrekMovie.com in an article that was published on July 1st. The two talk about a lot of different topics, everything from virtual conventions to politics to what it was like for Gates playing the role of a doctor who inspired so many in the medical profession. So sit back and take a listen. We hope you enjoy. Uh, leads me perfectly into my first question for you, actually, um, which is about online cons, which I know you've been doing a lot of them. You've been doing a lot of online events. Do you think that this that they're here to stay? Do you think we're going to keep doing these for a long time? Um, well, I don't know. I actually haven't done a lot. I've done like uh, two or three, and I did the Doctor's Trek, the one that was uh, uh, GalaxyCon. It was kind of one of the early ones, and then I did one with uh, Brent and LeVar, and I have to say, I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. Now, I know that sounds weird. It's not that you don't enjoy doing a con in front of live audience because there's a give and take, and that's wonderful. There's nothing like anything live. It's fabulous. Uh, People will laugh or they'll boo or whatever, and it's immediate. But I was quite surprised with how, um, how well it worked especially the conference with Brent and LeVar, uh, I felt in a certain way it was more relaxed and everybody was really being themselves. And uh, I don't know, it was kind of nice. And then afterwards, the double surprise was I did the one-on-ones with fans, which I've always loved meeting fans at cons. It's really uh, kind of why we, you know, it's just an important um, connection for us, because if it weren't for the fans, you know, we wouldn't be, uh, I don't know, we wouldn't be who we are in a way, because the fans have kept the show going, and the show is something that uh, has become more and more meaningful to me every year that passes, actually. I don't think I was as aware of how important the show was when I was first doing it, the impact it had, the role models, all of that. So when I would meet fans one-on-one virtually, again, it was different. You weren't, you didn't have a waiting line of people kind of like, oh, she's taking too long talking to her or something <laughs> like that, you know. And, and it actually was extremely intimate. It was, it was intimate in a different way. Like, it might be short, and yes, it was weird to get cut off. That was bizarre, but there's probably ways that that can get finessed, okay? Right. But I, even though there were ones that were short and cut off, I actually, I, I felt I was more, in a private room with them, then I, then I, you know, when you're at a big convention hall, it's different, you know, and you yeah. are aware of, oh, there's people who've been waiting there and they want to see other people. So, you, you, so again, it's just different. No, you're not hugging people, but I mean, you can still hear them and, and you also see where they live a little bit, you know, you see a little glimpse and that's, right. That was fascinating. Even with fans who I had seen over the years at different cons, all of a sudden I'd see, oh, wow, they, that's a cool statue in the back there, a little, you know, <laughs> miniature something of pottery. Or 
uh, I wonder what books those are. And then I could ask them, what are the books? I mean, you learn about each other. And to me, that's one of the greatest things is what you learn about another person and how that affects you. So I think that um, there, it might well be that these continue. It's just like doing cameos. I have really enjoyed doing cameos, and I never thought I would. I mean, I'm really huh. being I thought I would really hate them. The only part I hate is having to, you know, wash my face and, uh, you know, <laughs> wash my hair. <laughs> but because, you know, it's like women, what can I say? It's not like I have a crew cut or something. And But, again, I there's a part of me that can be more myself. I can just have fun with something and... Um, you know, you take a shot in the dark. You don't know whether the fan's going to be offended by your kind of being um, funny on this. Did they want it really serious? You don't know. It's kind of interesting. Uh, I think there's a part of myself that comes through more that's maybe wackier than I show when I'm at a con. Um, so I, I've actually enjoyed it. And believe me, if you had asked me a year ago if I thought I'd enjoy that, I would have said, no, probably not. But I, I really have. And that's, that's, that's not me just trying to put a good spin on it. I actually, it's the truth. <laughs> yeah, well, times have changed. That's for sure. And I think, it's, I think that that might always stay and something's going to evolve. I think, I think that everything needs to be kind of, you know, reevaluated all the time. And, and as human beings, we are loath to do that so often. But it's, it's like, for example, when you're teaching in a, on a faculty in a uh, theater department, you know, every 10 years or so there needs to be a shakeup of faculty and how things are done because it's a new group of people coming by and uh, it's a new generation. And I think it's good to reevaluate things and decide what are the parts that really are phenomenally awesome about cons that are live. And there are many things that are phenomenal and awesome. Um, you know, we always loved having our group dinners together afterwards, the, 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 the different Star Trek people. That would be a fun time for us to have a, a get-together because certainly in Los Angeles you're far apart. You can, like, Brent can be in Malibu. I mean, it's an hour drive to get to his place or more, depending on traffic. So when you're on the road together, you see each other for, you know, breakfast and, and in the green room and dinner, and so it's, it's fun to hang again, and it's also fun to meet people from different areas of the country. Uh, I find it fascinating. There are certain areas where that are very integrated, other areas that are not. Uh, there are areas where people have tons of kids and other areas where there's more single people that come up to the table. Uh, what's unbelievably cool for me is to meet people who've become surgeons or gone into the medical or scientific professions because they saw Crusher as a role model. And I don't take credit for that. I, I think it was the role of the whole thing. But it's it's pleasing, you know, to know that there's been good that's come out of something and uh, to see how people who watched it as a kid have grown up now and they have kids and they're still watching it. And that means there really was something powerful in the show. And so, Absolutely. Yeah, but so I've even learned about it. Do you see what I mean? When you're doing the show, yeah. you're just doing the show. But when you right. sit back and you see all the different 
grains that were thrown out, you know, seeds that were thrown out, and now they're growing. And you look back and you go, wow, that really was really something that Gene Roddenberry and all the other producers and writers created. That's pretty amazing, you know. Um, So in terms of cons, I mean, I completely agree with you on the legacy, by the way. (laughs) Uh, I've been a fan for decades. But um, in terms of cons, how are you feeling about Star Trek Las Vegas in December? Um, You're on the list to go. Are you feeling okay about that? Well, I think we all, everybody is saying, let's see how we prepare for it. Like, I've canceled Alabama because Alabama was just, they have not done enough protection. I need to, we all need to feel safe. We need to feel safe. They're safe, and we need to feel safe. But it is something that's possible, and I think that it doesn't mean it's going to be awful. Um, you know, you can have, just like at the supermarket, I mean, I can chat with the person who's marking up my groceries. You know, we, can, it, we have a barrier against our, our breath, but we can still chat. You know, it's not like we can't have a laugh. We do every day that I'm down there. Right. So I think the same is true with this. The difference is, yes, you cannot hug people. That, that's true. But maybe we all have to just try to communicate really well in other ways and maybe just look at each other and have more good eye contact, you know. It doesn't always have to be touched. Or maybe we have gloves and that still feels warm and cozy. I don't know, you know. Uh, we can think about it. If I felt safe, I would go to... Um, Vegas in December, absolutely. If I felt that we were not going to be jammed and all these people and, you know, chanting big songs or something, you know, <laughs> I, I think there's ways. I think it's, it's, it's going to be different. But I don't know. I mean, you know, will it be December? Who knows? I don't know. Let's see what happens. I think it's really a shame that the whole country did not get – instructions that everybody participated in no kidding yeah i mean we would be like france opening up and feeling safe i have my friends i have a place in france my friends in france you know they did they they literally had to get permission to go they had to have a a slip that they got online that said they were allowed to be out for their whatever i'm taking a 10 minute walk or i'm taking a going to the grocery store but they they killed it i mean they they are feeling really safe and what they don't want is a bunch of americans who are infected coming over right i mean it's uh it's just like i one of the good things i mean there's the, the horrible thing is that so many people have died and been infected and that, that's horrible and it's uh horrible all of the um the things the confrontations between uh minorities and blacks and, and the police and and just horrible things have been going on one of the positives that's come out of it is that we've been able to focus our attention on it. And with all of the media and the irrefutable proof of the horrors of police brutality, I think there's a very, um, I mean, I hope to God it stays. There's, there's a, a feeling that people are in the white community and all all the different communities all over the world are banding together and going, this has got to stop, that, yes, it's been going on, and we were fools not to be more aware of what the black community was suffering and do something about it. Because I remember Angela Davis was on the campus when I was a junior in college, and we had 
you know, we were strike headquarters. We had, actually, by the time I graduated, we had two people on the 10 Most Wanted list, and they were people who were doing protests, like Angela. And uh, she was she's a remarkable woman, by the way, just one of the smartest people I've ever met. And it's, it's interesting how I feel I became complacent from, I was really, I, risked not graduating by going on strike and, and participating. I learned so much. We had the Panthers were on campus. We had a soldier who went AWOL, and we gave him sanctuary. We had a black takeover of the uh, black administration building because they, they were complaining that the uh, – it was not the black administration. It was the black studies program because they said it was just like, you know, not strong enough. It was not enough money, not enough faculty, and they were right. But, you know, you sort of get complacent about things, and I did anyway, and you just are hoping that things have changed. But, man, they hadn't changed, and uh, it's, it's time to really go full on, and I'm, I'm full on now. I'm just giving all the money I can to support um, black candidates and trying to, you know, turn the Senate. Um, yeah. It's serious times, and it's like, yep, we have to, we have anyone who can, we gotta, we've got to donate, we've got to participate, we've got to really work hard to make sure our elections are secure, because that's what scares me, is that something's going to happen, and we're not going to be able to have our elections. The machines won't show up, they won't work, you know. We've already seen that this kind yeah. of thing is likely to happen. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. And what the fuck are we going to do about it? I mean, it's, it's, that's the part that's terrifying to me. You know, because I don't. I think I see more community than chaos, and it's this the element of chaos that it's because people want it to end up being a dictatorship here or something. I don't know, but it's hard to believe this is my country. So it's, it's, but then I see so many wonderful people, and we're, there's a real community happening. I just hope that we can persevere and do something about it. Yeah, well, there's world solidarity now, which is. Uh, it's tremendous thing to time. see. It's tremendous. You're right. But there's also, to be fair, the right wing all over the world is also in solidarity. So it's right. really are pitted. It's the two ideological forces of either we're equal or there's a superior race. And it's <laughs> it's like let's get rid of the superior race thing once and for all, you know? Absolutely. Um, it's, it's funny. You're making me want to jump around in my questions because oh, I know I'm we sorry. have limited I, you know, time. That's me. You got to just shut me up. I just finished my workout and I'm like raring to go, you know, so well, it's, shut up. Ask it's good. These time. are great, great topics. So I'm going to jump around. I do want to ask you about Star Trek Picard and I have a lot of Beverly Crusher and sexism questions, okay. but since we're talking Black Lives Matter, um, one of the topics that obviously has come up a lot lately is the next generation episode code of honor. Right. Which I do this. Okay, so you know which one that that is. And that um, and then angel, that angel one or angel whatever. That was just the misogynistic whatever. Uh, you know those right. two were killers. Right. So and recently, you know, there's been a lot of talk about it again. And Jonathan Frakes, he once called it a racist piece of shit, which is oh, my yeah, favorite. Oh yeah, no, I mean we all felt that way. <laughs> we all felt that way. I mean, I went to the producers and complained about it. Uh, I never, I, I opened my mouth, and that's one of the reasons I got fired. Yeah, I opened my mouth a lot. So that was 
horrible, and I thought Angel One was just horrible, you know. Um, it was like a holdover or something from, I don't know, it was weird, from Jim Crow era. It was just so weird. So looking specifically, I mean, Angel One will tie into oh, my next set of questions for you, but looking specifically at Code of Honor, there's so much, I mean, another huge issue that's come up now is, do we pull episodes? Do we have intros to episodes? Do we talk about them? Do think, we remove I think, them? I think How we talk feel? about them. I think, it's, it, I think it would be, again, I think that all of us have talked about it at every con that, uh, practically, you know. I mean, right. I think that's what informs people. Um, on, the, on the other hand, you don't need to see Little Black Sambo, the book. You know, they can take that out, you know. I think of, of, that it's the kind of thing that if it becomes painful for people to watch, then it's like, you know, it's a stupid episode anyway, so you can lose it. But it could be a very good teaching episode because I think when you're talking about latent racism, when you're talking about that just that deep racism, like you don't think you're a racist, but then you go, wow, why did you say, you know, I think that's a perfect example. Here's Star Trek Gene Roddenberry, you know, he did so much to have, Uhura in the episode and George uh, Decay, I think then when you you start to realize, yeah, but even people who were on the forefront, you get this latent stuff that surfaces and it's damaging. And it's good to reevaluate and look at all those things. And it's really, it's just like what they said with Gone with the Wind. I think it's really great that they have something that talks about it. That's what it's needed. So you can look at it and be looking at it for that first and then also looking at just how horrible the Civil War was and how, uh, you know, and then you can get to the point of, well, gee, uh, Brett Butler, that was, a, that was a great character. You know, you can get to all of that later <laughs> instead of just having it be about Rhett Butler and Scarlet, you know? Right. Yeah. So... Let's talk about women on Star Trek for a minute. Obviously, the experience for women on Star Trek has changed tremendously since you were on it. So oh your show God. had, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So now we have women who are front and center. We have women who are who are stronger and get to be involved in means. I mean, I don't count Enterprise because that doesn't fit into this whole scheme of things. But the other shows and the modern right. ones as well. Absolutely. So yep. Do you think Next Generation could have and should have done better for women? And does that extend to what happened behind the scenes? I mean, I'm guessing it does. Well, yes, but then, again, what is the point at this stage for me to complain? I complained about it then, okay? So, you know, I, I dealt with it the way, I mean, my, my choices were my choices, okay? And I think also the producers already knew they wanted to have a woman captain, you know, but they, that, so they didn't, they were waiting to make women stronger. I don't know what they were thinking, but... Yes, did it piss me off that we that I didn't have more? Of course it did. I was like really sorry about that. I I, I felt I you know I had, the character had become matron like and it was just weird and I was no longer really the interest uh, love interest of Picard and that was one of the primary things I was hired by Gene himself as the love interest of Picard and that got changed and it wasn't changed by me. So I think. You know, yes, what's the point, though, of, of complaining about it now? Because look what good has come out of all of that. There's really strong female characters now, and it's really exciting. And I don't even see gender and uh, the sex, like, 
when I'm watching the news shows. I'm going, it's great. It's like, you know, they're people, they're characters. And I think that's terrific. So it's probably more important to focus on the good that's come out of whatever and the progress that has been made than to sit and whine about what I wish it would have been for me. I mean, it's just... What's more important is what it is, has become, and how it can keep evolving, and how people can get stronger and stronger role models, people of uh, all, uh, people of color and people of gender, and all of that. I mean, I was honored to be the the lead of the episode that was the, written by the first gay writer that we had. That was about uh, you know it was the host, and I thought it was fantastic that they were asking the question, what is love? What is the essence of love? Is it physical? How much is mental, experiential? I mean, that's a fabulous thing to ponder, you know? That's, that's a I, really deep thing. I wanted to bring up that episode because we were just talking about it in the context of gay pride and, and impressed by the writing at the end where totally. your character says, she talks about how, how, we, how we're limited, how she feels limited. Yes. So, and I was wondering if you thought that was progressive at the time or thought it was a cop-out. I didn't, I was not ever going to make it a cop-out. I felt they knew that they did not want to push too hard. I personally, I mean, you know, I, I think that it was, she, she owned it. She was saying, I'm not there yet, the character. She wasn't being, um, I mean, she was being honest. And truth is, is important. And I think people got it because of that. I think it was a very powerful episode. And it brought up so much that, it, I mean, people are so homophobic. If they're homophobic, they are really homophobic. And they, it just was a fantastic way to get them into even thinking about, well, wait a minute. What about, what if, you know, what is it that you really are loving? And why is that so horrible? And, you know, I, I thought it was by already having her be kissing Riker, that was already a big deal, okay? That it was yeah. suddenly a castmate that's like, you know, this. and then, then to have it in a woman, I think what it did, it did beautifully. It opened up the question. And that's, to me, all that's needed. I do not feel that if, that, that the, the idea of Star Trek is to get people to think. It's not to tell them what to think. Is to get right. them to think and be open. So to me, it's not about cop out or whatever. It's like, you know, so do it in a new episode. I mean, I just I think now people, it's, it's, it it doesn't matter anymore. It, it, yeah. I don't, I don't see gender really in in uh, the Star Trek uh, characters. You know. It's like, yeah. It's no, like, I agree. My son used to say that, and I mean, I think it's the younger generations who are are really going to save us here because. You know, uh, I remember when I was first saying something, and I asked my son, you know, um, is his dad gay? And he said, why do you even talk about gender? And he was right. Why even talk about it? It's just people. And I think that's where younger people really are great about it, you know, because they are so used to having, at least in big cities, okay, this is not going to be true in rural America. Right. But it's it's that delight in diversity delight in differences which is 
Gene's whole thing. I, I mean, I know there's a quote that he said, we should delight in people's differences. And that is the truth, instead of being so afraid. Yeah, I have teenagers, and they don't care about any of those things. It's fantastic. Isn't it great? They, yeah, they just don't care, and they're all in, yeah. and they're kids that come to the to the Gay Alliance support groups just to support everybody. And yeah, nobody it's, cares. it's a great time. Nobody cares, but that's not true in rural America. There's still, you know, it's not yeah. true in Minnesota. That's not true. You know, I mean, that's what we have to remember, and it's. It's something that we all need to be aware and and help out and and try to spread the word. Agreed. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, Picard, which is actually ties into the whole relationship that that Beverly and Jean Luc were supposed to have, and the fact you know he's got his new show, and obviously we know Lavar's going to be on it, and Jonathan and Marina have been on it, so we're all dying to know if you're going to be on it. Well, I don't know. I mean, there's there's a good chance, let's put it that way. But I don't. I, I have no contract signed, and I think right. I I think that I think that you know uh, certainly Patrick I think made a decision at some point that it, it was not you know he was opening up to other uh, relationships in our show. So I and in the movies certainly. So I, I can't imagine that it's suddenly going to be different. But it doesn't mean that there's not a relationship there. There is obviously from our, our, all of our scenes, that there is a relationship, and that's great. So um, who knows? I have no clue, you know, um, but it would, it would be lovely. It would be lovely, and I think it's uh, – what do you think of the show? Do you, love, do you love the show? I'm enjoying it. I, there's, you know, I, I always have some things because I'm a Star Trek fan, so I have some things. But I think the acting stupendous. I love the cast so much. Yeah, I think they they're doing are really, a great really job. really wonderful, aren't they? Yeah, phenomenal cast. Like, really just... I mean, I've been a Michelle Hurd fan for many years already. She's awesome. So, I mean, you know what? <laughs> to lose the card to Michelle, you know, hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, but have you thought about your character and where she is 20 years after Nemesis in the well, Picard I have, era? But that I have, but it doesn't mean anything because it's going to be what the writers have. You see what I mean? So... It's, uh, yeah, I'm just curious to see how you, you know, if you've thought about it. I've thought about Point. it, but I haven't, you know, I, I hate to ever say anything because then I think it kind of jinxes stuff in a way. But, um, no, I think she definitely would be somebody who was very engaged in the world and trying to make it a better place, for sure. For sure. Right. Uh, I think she, you know, I, I would not see her as somebody retiring. And, you know, I mean, she obviously raised a kid while she was, full-on command officer, so, um, you know, anyway, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think that sky's the limit in, in terms of what her life could be. This is the way I feel about my life now, you know, there's a, a, yeah. a I'm endlessly fascinated with a million things that um, I would like to study more and do more and get, I find the world is uh, endlessly fabulous to, uh, with with which to engage, you know, it's just, so who knows? Yeah, no, it's a great attitude, absolutely, and I share it. Um, so you're, the event you're doing for GalaxyCon is Doctors, which I know you've done, but we're, re, we're getting a whole bunch of Doctors for this one. So what do you think is sort of the essential element of a good Star Trek Doctor? And, 
And also, like, what impact do you think those, you talked a little bit about this, but that Star Trek doctors have had on the real world of medicine and doctors? Well, I think as role models, that's been the biggest thing. The fact that also there are things that we have cured that we, you know, you just put up viral screens and you wouldn't have a coronavirus problem. Uh, you know, I think the diagnostic, it's the fact that technology can be used for so much good, but then also the shows also show that you always run into other problems. And I, I certainly my character got, and got the ship in a lot of trouble when she did the Hippocratic Oath in uh, the high ground and uh, because she wanted to do no harm and she wanted to, to uh, help people who were suffering, you know, but that was against the prime directive. So that's always been one of my favorite things is the interplay of my character. And that's and Gene told me that he wanted Crusher to be a humanist, absolutely, and the prime directive was what she was going to often be in conflict with because of the Hippocratic Oath. And that's kind of very cool to me because, you know, you look at how what, what we've gone through, through with COVID, and it's pretty amazing. So I think I, I know that I've talked about this and before, but I'm someone who actually has uh, been in the hospital with serious, serious uh, accident things that have happened and nearly died several times. And when the medical team are kind and really, you know, good humans, it makes such a difference. And it helps with my, it helps with my healing. It helps with everything, believing that they, they weren't just going to be making jokes as they operated, but having that feeling of respecting the patient and the, and the respect that, you know, not trying to intimidate, uh, it really made a difference in my life personally. And I'm very indebted to good medical teams. And I've also had teams that were not so good. So I, I really feel I'm, I'm experienced in a way that, I, you know, not everybody is. And when you see what people have gone through and how many have died because of COVID, I would say... Um, it's about time we started really taking a look at the people who who take care of us and people who are caregivers on any level and uh, people who teach our children, teachers who have had to continue teaching while they had their own kids at home. I mean, just we just don't um, we don't honor them enough, and I think this has made us all. Uh, begin to honor them more, realize how, how crucial they are. It's just like with immigration. I mean, it's incredible, actually. Every t- the, the people who are running this whole city are immigrants. I'm telling you, this, without immigrants, the city, this city would collapse. Just the restaurants, yeah. you can have a Japanese restaurant, and they're all Latinos who are working the kitchen. I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Construction, whatever. It, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty awesome, and um, I think it, it's time to have a, a better living wage and, and everyone has medical care. I mean, it's just it's no-brainers, and we just have to stop having such, a, such wealth disparity, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm from Canada originally, so yeah, I know about the health care system yeah. problem. Yep, and my mother was a nurse, so oh, I'm wow. well, well versed in all of that. Yeah. <laughs> so I could not agree more. Um, I know you're, ooh, you're rushed for time. Let me just ask you, is there anything that you are working on? Ne- I mean, obviously, I'm sure a lot of your plans were quite derailed. But yeah, is they there were. Any- but, you know, there's yeah. things that have come up out of it. I have uh, 
there's sort of a uh, – we're trying to uh, – my friend Eddie Gorton uh, is uh, – we're doing a walk, a five-kilometer walk, 3.5 miles, and you're buying a T-shirt, uh, and the T-shirt is, uh, you know, how to survive a, a pandemic, wash your hands, and don't be racist. And, I saw uh, that. <laughs> And so I'm wearing. I wore it on my last panel. I'm going to wear it again. And 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 people buy. If you buy the T-shirt, all of the profits. It's only the actual cost of the T-shirt. Nobody makes a dime, and um, it all goes to uh, um, Colin Kaepernick's new um, nonprofit, Resist. And it's it's about trying to change things. So that's coming up on uh, July 19th. I think it's yeah, July 19th. And I'm going to be participating, so um, I'll talk about it probably again on the uh, panel. But it's just one way, you know, and then I'm just trying to inform myself, and I'm really trying to work on um, election stuff. But obviously I, I'm not door-to-door campaigning in uh, COVID time here. But um, I hope nobody is. <laughs> I know, I know. But I hope that we all are, are reaching out and trying to do things and listen and learn. And I, I'm trying to do that. There's a woman, um, Desiree Timms from Ohio, that just I am really hoping that she makes it. And, and uh, there's so many candidates I like. You know, that's the other thing that's happened is I've become more aware because I've had more time, right, um, to to check out elections in all the different congressional districts all over, you know, not just in L.A. or New York, not the big cities. but um, And there's so many interesting new candidates out there. It's really exciting, actually. So, so I yeah, hope I, that a year from now uh, we'll be both giving each other high fives, even if it's virtual. <laughs> yeah, I do. I also I feel like change is really happening. It's hard it, not well, to believe you know that it you really is. You have to be careful, is. though, because I thought change was really happening yeah. in the 70s, okay? This is the thing. And it's like what happened. Did you see 13th, the um, Ava DuVernay um, I'm, prison system? I'm going to. It's on my list to see. It's okay. on my top so priority list to see. See it. See it with your kids. It's a really brilliant, brilliant um, piece of work. It's brilliant. And it's it really shows you how we have to be vigilant. There's it's it's a very important um very important documentary i think and um yeah we have to be vigilant yes there is something bubbling for sure right now and there's a lot of awareness but we really anyway uh, you'll let me know after you see it it's uh it's something to think about i agree with you we can't ease up i think that's really important yeah yeah okay well thank you so much you're welcome. So if I Google you on your own name uh, after we hang up, I'll get your Twitter, and then you You'll can... You'll get my Twitter, so, my website, all right. everything. All right. All right. Okay. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. You take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. We hope you enjoyed that interview. And as I said before, you can check out the transcription of this interview on our website at trekmovie.com. And stay tuned for more fun ShuttlePod interviews and audio commentaries and all kinds of fun stuff that we have in the pipeline for you guys. Um, And if you have a chance, um, please check out our Patreon page. Uh, ShuttlePod now has a Patreon. And if you'd like to become a patron and help us with a buck a month, five bucks a month, whatever you like, it's greatly appreciated. Um, Thank you guys as always, and we'll see you next time.